Hi, my name is Sydney Mitchell. Hi, I'm Matthew Brickman, Florida Supreme Court mediator. Welcome to the Mediate This podcast, where we discuss everything mediation and conflict resolution. Welcome, everyone, to today's bonus episode. Matthew and I are going to be tackling some of the questions that you, our listeners, have submitted over the course of the past couple of months here. So we're just going to get right into it, Matthew. Our first question that we have for you to answer today is, what is the difference between legal separation and divorce? Really, Sydney, it comes down to what state you're in. So we're just going to talk about Florida because we're both in Florida and I'm dealing with Florida law. So in Florida, you're either married or you're not. There is no legal separation. And so how they figure out the confines of the marriage is date of marriage to the date that you file your divorce papers. You're either married or you're not. If you want to move out and live separate, then great, that's your choice. But Florida's not going to recognize that as a line in the sand for dividing up assets or different things because there is no legal separation. Now, in some states, they actually have a legal separation uh, where you can file documents and you're legally separated. But in Florida, there is no legal separation. In the states that have legal separation, what exactly does that look like? I'm not really sure because uh, you know I don't practice in other states, but I would assume, and this is just an assumption, having a legal separation, you can file documents similar. I mean, I would think they're probably similar to what we would do, like a post-nuptial agreement, which okay. says, okay, we're now legally separated. So from this period until we finally file divorce, what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. No, what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. Um, And so then they can just be legally separated. And I think that some states, I'm trying to think, I want to say maybe North Carolina, maybe, they actually have a, it's weird, it's a cooling off period where you can file for divorce, but they won't grant it for maybe a year. I think, I think I was reading this when a friend of mine who was in North Carolina was wanting to get divorced and I was researching North Carolina law and basically, you know, so yeah, you'd have basically a legal separation because you filed, but they won't let you get divorced yet. So you're legally separated, but thankfully I don't have to deal with that in Florida. In, in, and again, this might be just a you guessing question, but in North Carolina, what would be the benefit of something like that? Yeah, I have no idea at all because the longer, so you and I have had discussions about the different levels of relationship and the pros and cons of Mm -hmm. in the dating phase, there's no rules. In the intimacy stage where now you're married, there's no rules. Everybody makes them up inside their relationship. Well, when you say like, okay, this is not working anymore and you still have no rules, that's a dangerous place to hang out. And if you're forced to hang out in that place with no rules, waiting for a year until you can get divorced, I just see it just tensions mounting, frustration mounting, and it can get really destructive. But then finally, when the court goes, okay, we'll allow you to get divorced now. Wait, who needs a cooling off period like that? When, when a court would say, okay, fine, now we'll let you, you could imagine emotions are high, tensions mm-hmm. are high, frustration levels are high. And then people come in and you want to talk about being positioned in your belief system, or you come in with the accusations like over the past year, he did this, she did that. And I don't see a benefit in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. The same way, I don't really don't see a benefit of a legal separation. You're either married or you're not. I think that's just the easiest way to deal with it. Right. Okay, this is, this is a perfect segue into another question that okay. we received. What is the difference between a no-fault divorce and an at-fault divorce? Okay, so again, let me, let me just back up before I say again. What I love about family law 
opposed to every other type of law is it is governed state to state. You don't have the federal government getting in the way of the families. So different states have different laws when it comes to family law. In a state that has no fault, that's like Florida, that if two people are married and one of them decides that I don't want to be married anymore, then the court is able to grant a divorce. It's not that, oh, well, they did something, therefore, now I'm allowed to get divorced. Mm -hmm. Now, there are states, there are some states where it has to be, somebody has to be at fault. Otherwise, the judge's hands are tied. Like the court cannot give a divorce. For example, let's just say uh, Tom and Nancy. Tom and Nancy are, are married and Tom and Nancy just, you know, they just grew apart. The kids are grown. They've moved out. Nobody cheated. Nobody did anything. They just want to be divorced. So they file for divorce and the court goes, well, all right, who screwed this marriage up? Did you do it? No. Did you do it? No. Well then, sorry, we can't give you a divorce. Legally, they cannot. Yeah. So that's why, that's why I think it was back in the seventies where they came up with the term irreconcilable differences. And that says, okay, look, We just have differences that just can't be reconciled. We just can't figure it out. And that gave the court the ability to divorce people without having to lay blame with one side or the other. Now, I will tell you that in a state that is an at-fault state, if somebody is at fault, then yeah, it can have serious repercussions on the time sharing and custody of the kids. Uh, alimony, as well as dividing up the marital assets. I was going to say there have got to be so many implications that affect an at-fault state. I mean, I would, you know, and Florida's not one of them, but I would imagine if somebody cheated on somebody, then that's going to go to character and they're going to use that to say why the other parent should not have equal time sharing with the child. Or if somebody was taking money out of the bank and using it on an extramarital affair, you know that there's going to be an unequal distribution of marital assets. I was going to say, in addition, what are, okay, so like you just mentioned cheating, maybe it's a financial immorality. What are some other decisions that somebody could make in a marriage that would deem them at fault in some of these states? And it sounds like most states are no fault. Is that correct? Most of them are no fault. Okay. Yeah. In the few states that are at fault states, what kinds of things would deem them at fault? Other than infidelity, criminal acts, You know, criminal acts, domestic violence definitely would come into play. That's probably your main ones. I mean, look, if nobody's abusing somebody and nobody's cheating on anybody and nobody is stealing from anybody, you're probably not getting divorced, right? (laughs) So those are your, I mean, I would imagine those are probably your three main ones. Okay, but most states are no-fault states. And in Florida, where we are... Florida is a no-fault state. Florida is a no-fault state. You you don't have to prove that somebody did anything. If you want to get divorced, unfortunately, you can just file for divorce. Nobody has to be at fault. Okay, another question that we received was, how much does the average divorce cost with lawyers and without lawyers? Okay, so the average cost, and this is as of, these are the numbers as of 2019, and we're recording this in 2020. With attorneys, the average cost is $15,000 for each party. That's just average. And that um, usually it starts off with anywhere between like a five to seven to maybe a $10,000 retainer. And then after that, it's pretty much pay as you go. You don't pay, Mm -hmm. you don't go. 
Okay, so yeah. then together that's 30 and, and maybe even plus. Yeah, yeah, 30 and even plus. Um, I had a mediation and, and, and it wasn't even a divorce. The parties were already divorced. They were just arguing over where was the 16-year-old son going to live for the next two years. And between their attorneys, the guardian ad litem, the mediator, they had spent $75,000 trying to figure out where this 16-year-old was going to spend the next two years until he legally emancipated. I mean, so it can get very, very expensive. Also, you know, while we're on the subject of cost, let's talk time because time is money. And so with attorneys, they say that the approximate time with attorneys is about 22 months of your life. Uh, that's wow. approximate. So basically prepare for this to tie up two years of your life. I mean, all consuming two years emotionally, psychologically, physically, mentally, spiritually, like it's going to take a toll on you, unfortunately. Now let's contrast that with without attorneys. So without attorneys, and I can only speak for myself because I am a mediator that is trained to take people through the entire process, legal process without attorneys. And about 20% of my business is uh, what they call pro se or self-represented litigants. And without attorneys, the total cost, and this would be paying me their mediator, and filing the papers with the court, which there's a filing fee. And how much is the um, filing fee? Or is uh, it different per court system? Where I am, it's $400 currently. And then if there's kids involved, then uh, they are required to take a parenting class. Yeah, I have a banner on my website where they can click and get a discount for that, but both parties have to take it. And it's interesting, Sydney. So when I got divorced in 01, and it's 2020, so when I got divorced in 01, my ex-wife and I had to go to this class and it was held in the basement of this church in Port St. Lucie. And we actually went together and we sat together and it was taught by this uh, husband and wife who had both been previously married. Then now they're married and they also each had kids of a separate marriage and have a kid together. So, I mean, it was a blended family. I'm sure, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you understand that with your <laughs> Absolutely. My ex and I walked out of that class. It was a four-hour class, and we walked out of that going, man, this should be a premarital class, not a postmarital class. The information they gave was so good. A lot of it, like what I'm trying to do with this podcast, communication styles, co-parenting styles, mm-hmm. you know, how to work together post-divorce. And it was such a great class. We were like, oh, man, this would have been really good. Wish I would have known that right? <laughs> years ago. Yeah. And so we physically had to go to it. Nowadays, they have it online where you can do the class online. Some jurisdictions, though, will not allow their people to go online because they're afraid that it's not them going. Like, for example, like Mm -hmm. if I was to get divorced, Sydney, and I don't want to do this online class, I'd be like, hey, Sydney, you know, can you do this for me? And you're like, yeah, fine, I'll take it for you. I'm really good at online stuff. It'll be fun. Well, did I actually take the class and learn the information? And so Mm -hmm. courts are like, well, since we can't actually tell if the parent's doing it, we want them to go in person. Most, Most places are going, yeah, you can go online. That's so funny because, okay, so I am back enrolled. So I started college in 2015. I was in school for a couple of years. Then I stopped. I paused taking classes and now I'm back in school. Anyway, and now for our classes, we, so we take 
and actually I'm, I'm sure that a lot of this is going to continue through COVID and, you know, this digital learning that we're doing now. All of our exams, a lot of our quizzes that we take, we take them online. You know, we record video of ourselves in our rooms by ourselves. We have really? to show a picture of our photo ID mm-hmm, before we take the exam to verify that we are the person taking the test. And so I'm like surprised to hear that they haven't implemented something like that because um, colleges are doing it. So I just... That's really interesting because I did my education online. And so I went to Kaplan University and got my associate's degree in paralegal studies and got a bachelor's in pre-law and I did it all online. And we had to take our tests and our quizzes and stuff, but there was no verification like you're saying now, which I think is really smart. Now, I never had anybody take my stuff. I mean, I wanted to learn the information because I was going to school to become a mediator because I wanted to become a mediator. So I wanted the information. It right, wasn't that right. I was just going to school and I was going to get a degree and maybe I'd use it, maybe I'm not. But some people are not, are, you know, not in that boat. Right. So it's interesting that you you mentioned that because my wife and I, we met online in college and we were in classes together and we had a girl in that class. And I'm not going to say Denise's name uh, because I would never want (laughs) to say Miss Darling's name on a podcast, but she actually admitted in a live lecture that her cousin was doing her papers (laughs) taking her test and we were like and and now this girl could not spell no punctuation no capitalization and she was working for the united states military going to school online but she actually admitted that she was having her cousin write her papers and do her stuff and so i'll tell you now hearing what you're saying about the id oh my gosh that would have been great because miss denise darling would not have been able (laughs) to have her cousin do her stuff like that just wouldn't have happened yeah, with technology nowadays, you can't quite get away with it. Uh, maybe yeah, so, so with the parenting class, that's another piece that they would have to do. But right. pay, so paying paying for my fee, paying for the filing fee, and doing the parenting class. And if the parties wanted, and it's optional, to hire an attorney simply to do final hearing for them, opposed to spending thirty thousand dollars, they could do it for less than three total. And timeline-wise, instead of taking up to possibly 22 months or longer, they could actually get it done in less than a month. Now, there's a, there's a, a few logistics that go into that, how well the parties are communicating, how well they get along, mm-hmm. you know, how fast they fill out their required paperwork, you know, whatever that is. But those are the amounts for the average cost with and without an attorney. Absolutely. Well, uh, to our listeners, we are absolutely loving answering all these questions. I love the different topics that we're going to hit. We've got a ton more questions to cover as we continue adding in these bonus episodes. So be sure to tune into those and continue sending in all of your questions. If you have a comment or question regarding anything that we discuss, email us at info at iChatMediation.com. That's info at iChat, I-C-H-A-T, Mediation.com. And stay tuned to hear your shout out and have your question answered here on the show. For more information about my services or to schedule your mediation with me, either in person or using my iChat Mediation virtual platform built by Cisco Communications, visit me online at iMediateInc.com. Dot com. Call me at 561-262-9121, toll free at 877-822-1479, or email me at mbrickman at iChatMediation.com.
www.thepowerofthenews.com. 